0: Well, our text for today is 1 Samuel chapter 10, so we're going to the Old Testament to start with. We're going to continue our series on empowerment by the Holy Spirit. Empowerment by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? We're going to examine the scriptures, the example of King Saul in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 10. Then I'm going to be making some reference to Acts chapter 2, which talks about the experience of the believers in the early days after Jesus Christ ascended into heaven and the experience they had with the Holy Spirit coming into their lives and filling them with his presence. And so throughout that, we're gonna talk about three main points. We're gonna talk about empowerment by the Spirit, then talk about how there's anticipation of the Spirit, when waiting for the Spirit to come. And then finally, we're going to talk about transformation by the Spirit. And then we're going to have a, a special time of worship and altar time at the end of the service to allow plenty of time for God moved move, to be able to act and give thanks and worship Him and put into practice what God's Word says today. So empowerment by the Spirit. I'm going to read 1 Samuel 10, verses 6 through 9. A little background on this passage. What has just happened right before verse 6 is that Saul was anointed as the new king of Israel. The prophet Samuel had been what we call the judge of the people. God had used them to lead the people, but now they're going into a different phase. The people had said, "We want a king like the nations around us." And God warned them through Samuel that, "Well, a king sounds nice. You have a leader. It gives you some prestige with the other countries around you. But sometimes a king can be hard. He's going to make you to do things. He's going to control your life in certain ways. Are you sure about this?" And they said, "Yes, yes. Give us a king." And so. Samuel came and anointed Saul as king over Israel, but there was a process, and here we'll talk about part of that process in verse six. He said, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with him, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, but you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. And here's the key verse in verse 9. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day. So in verse 6 it says, The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you. Saul experienced what is described as a mighty wave of the Holy Spirit overtaking his whole life. Now to relate to that, think about the example of water water. Think about the presence and the power of water in our lives. Scientists tell us that our bodies are mostly made up of water. Water is seen as a life-giving force. It's seen as something that's very important. We can't go out without water. We can go without food and water for only a certain amount of time, but eventually our bodies will shrivel up and pass away. Water, life-giving force. Water can be peaceful. It shows us beauty. Water can be fun. Many people long to be near the water think about how many people are longing to have that lake house wanting to have that beach house with the beautiful view there's something peaceful and inspiring about being near a beautiful body of water or just being near a rushing river if you've ever been up in uh, the mountains for instance like in colorado it's just amazing to see the clear streams and the and the rushing water so great imagery now Water can be fun as well too. We look forward, a lot of us going to water parks. I love water parks, I'm a little kid myself. I love to go down the slides and be in the wave pool. Sometimes it's just too many people, but, but it's fun to do that. I grew up in California, Southern California near the ocean and got to go out uh, uh, in the waves all the time and love doing that. Now, a lot of you have been out on the Guadalupe River tubing, right? You've been out there? Now, what happens before you, and after you go tubing? There's a special place you have to pay a pilgrimage to called Bucky's, right? <laughs> Bucky's is a spiritual place for many people. So, but again, water can be just associated with fun, but water has a dark side. If water is not controlled, if water is not contained through floods, through hurricanes, through storms, it can cause a lot of damage, unfortunately. So there is power in water. There is power to sustain life, but there is also power, unfortunately, to take life in water. And in the same way, the spirit is like a river. The Bible describes in several places, prominently in John chapter four and in the book of Revelation, it talks about the river of life, rivers of living water. And that imagery is very important. Just as we think about the power of water, when we compare the spirit to a river, we can get an understanding that the power can flow into our lives and can overtake us, but not to kill us, but to empower us, to bring us up, to sustain us, to prepare us for what's coming ahead. Now, Acts chapter 2 talks about the experience of believers in Jesus who had received this new gift of the Holy Spirit. But really, it wasn't new because we've learned, of course, in the, new Test- in the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel 10, for instance, that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, has been working all throughout time. But what they were waiting for was a new visitation, a new manifestation or presence of the Spirit of God. And they didn't know fully what to expect but they were preparing for a great mission just as Saul was preparing for a great mission of leading the people of Israel the believers were preparing for the mission of going to spread the gospel throughout the world because Jesus when he was on earth he gave them a mission he said go into all the world preach the gospel teach people teach my disciples and baptize them in the name of the father and son and the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of churches don't like to talk about the Holy Spirit, it's a mysterious thing, but we want you to have a full understanding of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. They were getting ready for a mission that was beyond anything they could imagine. They were being called to leave their homes, to leave their families, going into a brutal world where people had no idea what was about to come. They would be ridiculed, they would be persecuted. Several gave their lives for the cause of Jesus Christ. Think about if you had to go into a place where people had no understanding, no framework, no reference for what the gospel of Jesus Christ was like. A lot of people would say, you are crazy. Think about what happened. Okay, yeah, this person, he died and then he came to life and now he's up in heaven in the sky somewhere. You know, To a rational person, they may say, wow, that's not crazy. But to those of us who have experienced the presence of power of God, we know that it's not crazy. We know that it's real, and yes, it is supernatural. It does seem mysterious sometimes, but I'm here to tell you today that what we find in the scriptures is active today, and we can have that same experience, amen? That is here, and we just wanna open the scriptures to you and your understanding today. So just as Saul needed power to rule God's people, believers in Jesus needed power to witness to the whole world, and this power is here today, but before empowerment comes. There's the anticipation phase. In 1 Samuel 10, 8, it describes that part of the process was they went to worship God. They made sacrifices. They came to an altar to offer sacrifices to the Lord and giving thanksgiving. And it says to wait specifically for seven days. There was a waiting period. There was a process Saul just couldn't put on the crown and get to work. You know, for instance, he was the first king. They didn't even have a crown. They didn't have a, a palace to go to. They didn't have a castle. But Saul had some idea of what a king was. There were other nations that had kings, Egypt, for instance, which was a neighboring country. And so they, he had some idea, well, okay, wow, it's gonna be exciting because now I have power. I can do things. I can tell people what to do. I'm gonna have wealth and people are gonna to come to me with all types of gifts. But then there was also the anticipation of fear that, am I up to this task? It's interesting to note if you read further in chapter ten and chapter eleven, that when the time came to announce Saul as the king to Israel, that they gathered the people together, and when the time came, the very moment when you know he was supposed to be similar to being on stage, they couldn't find him, and it literally says he was hiding among the supplies they were traveling people moving around and they had to go find him and bring him out of hiding to present him as king that's not really a great first impression that he was there hiding when he's supposed to be their king and it says it's interesting also a little detail it says when he came out and stood among the people it said he was a head taller God uh for some reason at that time, pick someone who would physically stand out above the people as a representation of his power. But Saul had to humble himself to the power of the Holy Spirit and he said that it changed his heart. So anticipation when we're waiting can be a tricky thing. A lot of times we don't like surprises, but God likes to surprises. Sometimes he reveals things in, in stages to us. Sometimes Things will come quicker than others, but sometimes we have to wait for a while in that anticipation. Some of you may have been waiting for a promotion. Some of you have been maybe starting a business. You have some goal in the future that you want to do, but maybe you've had the hesitation that, wow, I'm not up to the task. Who am I? I can't do this. You know, maybe there's gonna be some roadblocks. People are gonna talk bad about me. People are gonna get in my way. And you have to have the goal in mind and realize that you need something bigger than yourself to be able to accomplish that goal. You need God's power within you to be able to lead the way and prepare the way. Because I always like to say that God goes before us, He goes beside us, sometimes He goes behind us to push us a little bit, and then sometimes He carries us, doesn't He? Sometimes He carries us when we're really in those hard times and going through the tough times, and God is there all those reasons. I want to give just a little example from my own life to illustrate this that anticipation and the waiting. And there's a significant time in my life when I was 19 years old, almost 20, uh, when I was uh, contemplating joining the army. And uh, I have uh, served as an army chaplain for 20 years on active duty before, uh, before going back into civilian ministry and being able to, uh, to join you all. Uh, but leading up to that was an interesting process. Sometimes you end up way in a way different place than you thought. You would be when you started out. So I was the least likely person you would think would join the military. Now I was a good kid generally too. I was raised in a Christian home and was fortunate to make a commitment to Christ in an early age, but I was not army material what you would look at. I was more of a a study nerd. I was really into the books, did really well in school. I was not an outside person. Now if you're not familiar with army life, pretty much you're camping for a living. (laughs) That's what you do. You know, being outside in extreme temperatures, going through some really uh, challenging situations, going without sleep. I was not very athletic, but it's amazing when properly motivated what you can do. But I realized to do this, I needed God's power. You know, I'll be honest. I joined the military for the money at first. You know, I ended up being a chaplain and being a minister of God's word. Uh, I was in college. I was very fortunate to go to a really, uh, really nice college on the East Coast and my dad had a a great job. He was an executive in an oil firm and and, uh, lots of money was rolling in in the 80s and we were doing great and was able to pay for college. But something happened during my sophomore year that my dad uh, called me one day and said, son, if you haven't heard the news, the oil business has gone under. (laughs) And uh, his business almost went under. Fortunately, they survived, but they had to lay off employees. And he said, I have no more money to pay for your college gonna have to figure out what to do (laughs) for college. And I really loved where I was. I was involved in ministry groups and uh, getting involved and I loved it and and on a good path. And so I started looking at opportunities. How do you pay for college? I had some friends in this thing called ROTC and contemplated it. And it was like, wow, that's not for me. I even had long hair at the time compared to my peers. I I had to, they didn't call it a mullet at the time, but that's basically what it was. (laughs) So if you can picture that, but I don't know where that term came from, but we didn't call it that back then. But anyway, you know, the hair was growing long in the back and you know, and I feathered it in the front. And you know, I was one of those guys used to use a blow dryer even, it was hilarious. So um, amazing how things change. So I got serious about this and found that that was a way to get money for college. I was, again, I was not athletic. I could only do like two push push-ups at the time. You had to do push-ups, sit ups and running. I ran around, I did a test run. You have to do a two mile run on a track and it was not up to standard. So I had about a, two months to prepare. So I got some friends around me who were into working out and started working out, and it's amazing. Uh, I went through the summer of training. We had to go through some really grueling training at Fort Knox, Kentucky, where uh, just it was, it was brutal sometimes and tested physically, mentally, spiritually, and, and thank the Lord I was a Christian during that time. But I had a goal in mind. I was anticipating a goal, but to get to that goal, I had to have a process I had to have God do some things. I had to take a step forward and do something that's totally out of my comfort zone to be able to reach that goal. And it's amazing what God did with that after this time. And so I was competing for a scholarship with a thousand other cadets at the time. And they only give scholarships to the top 10% of people out of those thousand. And so I was working hard, you know, I shaved my head. I was uh, getting in better shape. I was able to do actually that summer up to 60 push-ups in two minutes, praise the Lord. And, and when it came time towards the end of the training, I didn't think I was doing so great. They have these exercises where you lead and I got lost out in the woods trying to lead a whole group of soldiers. It was a mess. Uh, it's challenging. And <laughs> so the time came, July 31st, remember it very well, 33 years ago, 33 years. So do the math. Yeah, I'm 52 now. So. 33 years ago, July 31st, I got called into the drill drill sergeant's office, and uh, they were getting ready to to give the report about how we did and and how we finished up, and I was just anticipating. I thought, man, I just didn't do so great. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do for school. Now, school started in about three weeks, and I didn't know what I was going to do for school. I didn't know where I was going to go if I didn't have the scholarship, and thank the Lord I got the scholarship, full ride for the next couple years in school. So, wow. Praise the Lord for bringing me through that, but I had to go through some stuff. I lost 15 pounds, had no hair, (laughs) but was in great shape. So it's amazing what God can accomplish in your life and direct, but I couldn't do it without him. I had the spirit of God in me and filling me to make me a changed person. And I truly went through a transformation physically, spiritually, mentally in my life. So anticipation can be scary, anticipation can be exciting, like going to Disney World and staying, you know, not being able to sleep the night before. So back to Acts chapter 2, the believers are told to gather in an upper room to pray and to wait for a sign of God's Holy Spirit to come. Now, many of these people had been with Jesus. They had witnessed his crucifixion. They had witnessed his resurrection, and they had witnessed him physically go away into heaven. So they didn't know quite what to expect, but they had seen some really amazing things. They knew that God could do anything. And so they were waiting for a number of days. They were praying. They were seeking God. And all of a sudden, he came through in an amazing way. He visited them through his Holy Spirit in a way where no one could deny that it was God in that house. No one could deny. It was so fantastic and far out that it was so hard to explain. And here's what happened. Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4 say very vividly, And it says, suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent or mighty wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled him. Now, that was crazy. That was wild. It was such an experience where the writer was having a hard time. John... Luke, who wrote Acts, was having a hard time describing what happened. It just says, tongues like tongues of fire. So what does that mean? It looked like there were flames in the air that separated and maybe little flames on each person's head. That's something you don't see every day or even since then. And people were speaking in other languages. At the time, there was a feast going on in Jerusalem and there were people from all nations and people could hear them speaking in their own language. Like someone from Egypt was hearing Egyptian. Someone from Syria was hearing Syrian. And they were just amazed because these were people from Jerusalem who didn't know these languages before. And so God visited them in a very dramatic way. And just you can imagine the joy and the excitement because they needed to know that God was with them. When they were going out to put their life on the line to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ, they needed to know that he was powerful. They needed to know, as Jesus had commissioned the disciples to go out, pray for people, heal the sick, cast out demons, expect miracles that says you can do greater things even than I did in my name. And that's an amazing scripture to hang on to. Think about God says that his disciples, God says that us can do even greater works than Jesus. Dare we say that? Yes, it does say that. We can do even greater works than Jesus if we have faith and believe that he is spirit, his spirit is with us to go out into all the world. And so after the anticipation came, the transformation. The transformation by the Spirit as only the Spirit could do. So back to 1 Samuel chapter 10, in verse 9, it says, God changed Saul's heart. He made him a new person. And when he was changed, he couldn't do things the same way anymore. He needed strength. He needed compassion. He needed wisdom. Now, you may have heard language used in the church before that God wants us to give our heart to Jesus. You know, give your heart to Jesus. What does that mean? Our heart, figuratively speaking, is our whole mind and our being. That's really the the soul of who we are. The heart represents who we are as a person, and he helps us become a new person inside in our actions and attitudes, and we can't do that on our own. The Bible says in John 16, 8, that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. That's a hard scripture. But that's part of the Holy Spirit's purpose. The Holy Spirit is not just all about feeling good and exciting. Yes, that is a part of it. I want you to know that. There is that joyous feeling, but the Holy Spirit, before you get to that point, comes to convict us of our sin. Now, convict or conviction is one of those harsh words. Typically, we think of it in terms of someone going to prison. But here, it's creating an awareness in a person's heart and mind that there's something wrong. Something's just not right. The conviction means that giving us an awareness that we're doing something, there's something in our behavior, something in our attitudes that is coming between us and God, and it creates a wall. And once we have that awareness, then God can work with us to fill us up with his spirit to become a new person because we can't do it on our own. We're all born into sin, the word says, and we need a changed heart and we need a changed life. And there's no better time than the present to make that decision to follow God and let him fill you from the inside. Because some of you came here and you're on the fence about Jesus. Some of you came here dealing with some heavy stuff and you need to turn over to God. You know that you're not living according to God's word. And I'm here to say that maybe it's through me today that God is using the Holy Spirit to convict you, to get a hold of your heart saying, there is a better way to live. There are people who love me and that care about me and that I want a new life. And I pray that you make that decision to come to him today. When we're transformed, part of that transformation, there's a sign that comes. There's a sign, there's a presence of joy. There's three miners back in Prospector days in California, in the gold rush days in the 1850s, who discovered a rich vein of gold. They were coming they were there in the early days before it really got crazy and thousands of people poured into northern california but there they, they discovered a great find and they thought that this find of gold was going to transform their lives it was going to put them on easy street it was going to give them everything they'd ever dreamed and they were so excited but they knew if they told somebody about it that the word would get out and people would overrun the property before they got a chance to do the full exploration so the process at that time was to go make a claim. They had to go to the claims office in the nearest town to file a claim to be able to dig and explore that land even further. And so they said, okay, when we go into town, we're gonna to be really chilled. We're gonna go in and not um, say anything to anybody. We'll separate a little bit so nobody gets a clue about what's going on. We'll do the claim, we'll get some materials, and we'll go back out and start digging. And so they did that. Things seemed to be going according to plan. And when they were going out of town, they started noticing that as they were going out of town on their horses, that a crowd started to gather and was following them. And they were like, what's up with that? And they they went farther and got closer to the claim. They didn't want to lead people right where it was. And so they stopped and they confronted the people and said, what's going on? And someone told them that we knew that something was going on just by the look on your faces. Because even though they didn't say anything, their being, their whole being, their faces gave it away that there was something special that had gone on in their lives. When they thought that they found the answer in the riches of gold, it changed something inside of them. It changed their attitude. It changed their being because they now had a hope that life was going to be different. They left their families. They gave up other jobs and came, traveled across the country to seek riches and to seek glory. And here they think they finally found it and they could not hide it and people recognize that around them. When we're in the spirit of God, it should change us and transform us where people see something different in us. I pray all the time that for myself and for you all, that when you go into the community, into the world, to your workplace, to school, that people will see that there's something different and they will ask you about it that you can't help but hide the glory of God that's coming out of your spirit, coming out of your pores, because you have that indwelling, the infilling of the spirit of God. That is the best way to witness. Witnessing, sometimes people are afraid of, you don't have to be up here speaking to a large group of people. You don't have to be on a street corner. It's simply telling the story of what God has done in your life. And when people see the presence of God, they should see something different in you. You should expect To have the joy of the Lord. There's going to be times when you're going to get down, you continue to pray and seek after the Lord for that continual refreshing. Maybe today you're here and you've had that experience before, but you need a refreshing of the Spirit. Ask God to give it back to you. Ask God to come into your life in a new and a fresh way today. And the Spirit is here to give you that joy. Back to Acts chapter 2 briefly. It describes in the scriptures that The scene was so amazing and celebratory and joyful, the people listening on the street down below thought that the people were drunk, that there was just a wild party going on, that it was so crazy, that again, the people were so full of joy in the spirit that they could not hide it. They could not hide it. And that was the best way to witness that there was something special going on. There was something supernatural. And now is the time to let the spirit transform you. No better time than the present to do that. The Bible describes this experience of the infilling of the Holy Spirit as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And one reason I believe they called it the baptism is because they didn't have words to describe it. Baptism, they knew about that. People were being baptized. Jesus was baptized. That's where someone is totally immersed in water to identify with the death and then the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, when you're doused in water, immersed in water and all wet, you can't help but remember that experience. It involves your whole being. And so the best way they had to describe this experience, joyful experience of the Spirit, was that they were just immersed in the Spirit of God. Their whole being was just covered. They couldn't get away from it. They couldn't control it. God, like he wrapped his arms all around them, and they couldn't get away from it. And so this is an experience I believe that is available today that believers can seek after, to ask for, to go beyond, to go to the next level in your relationship with Christ. We shouldn't just stay at one level. It's one thing to say, I accept Jesus, I believe in him, but are you following him? Are you putting your faith into action? And God says, I can do even more than you ever imagined. I can go beyond. Sometimes it's scary. Yeah, it is mysterious. It is supernatural. It's beyond our understanding. But a lot of people who criticize the Holy Spirit or are not quite sure or afraid about it, they are seeking after the supernatural by, think about the interest in our society in superhero movies or the paranormal, the supernatural, it's all out there. Even people who would deny the existence of the Spirit of God, there's something natural in us that wants to seek for something higher. And I'm here to tell you, God is here to bring that to you today. And one of the signs of joyfulness that God gives us is that evidence of speaking in tongues, speaking in other language. And again, that may seem strange, but don't be afraid of it. It's just a sign that we have surrendered ourselves totally to God and he takes over. And so we want you to be able to have that same experience today and provide the opportunity for prayer. So please stand with me right now. Appreciate if our prayer team would come and get in place. We have prayer team members in the, in the uh, balcony as well. This is a time. I want you to go hard after God. Our worship team is going to lead us in a time of worship here. It starts with giving thanks to God, saying, God, I know that I need help. I know that I've gone against your word and your will. I need a new start. Maybe you just need a new start in that initial transformation. Maybe you've been a Christian, as I mentioned, and you need... A refilling. You need a refreshing of God's power. But maybe you've been a Christian and you haven't even heard about this experience. So I'm telling you maybe for the first time about what this is. If you want that joy, if you want that power in your life to go out and to face the world with new confidence, now is a time of your transformation. Don't let this moment pass you by to come and to worship at the altar. So you can pray with one of our prayer team members. You can just come and stand at the front. Fill this place and let God fill your heart. Come.
1: just make your way to the altar right now. Come on, just make your way to the altar. God is here. God is here. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let By Your Spirit, oh God. God is moving in this place today. We want that today, singing.
2: Your praise.
1: Come on. I want to challenge your faith today. I want to challenge your faith. It's time that we believe God for big things in this place. It is time that we rise together as one and declare that God can do above all that we can ask or think. It is time to declare miracles in this place. Come on, it's time to lift up our highest praise and say, God, we're going to trust you. Our hope and trust is in you and you alone. Are you ready, Westover? Are you ready? Come on, we're going to declare this together every voice
2: sing it out stay
0: This is where it's at. Tell somebody about it. I want somebody to ask you. I pray, as I mentioned before, someone asks you about what's happened inside of you. If you don't get asked, go tell somebody. Go tell one person this week. Invite one person even to church saying that there is something special that happens here. There is something special when people come to God's presence. This is where change happens. This is where transformation happens. You can give your burdens, give all the troubles and challenges to the Lord and say, we praise you, Lord. No matter what we're going through, we can raise a hallelujah. We can say praise the Lord and bless him. This is where change happens. This experience we've talked about, we prayed about, you can experience this even at your own home. God may hit you later tonight. <laughs> and you have this experience, tell somebody something about it. Our pastors would be glad to talk to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. This is part of a believer's life and it can be. And we want you to have more. So I pray that you're encouraged today and you're strengthened. We're gonna have um, prayer team members available after the service on the sides of the altar here too. We can continue in prayer and worshiping the Lord. We have a little bit before we transition to the next service. But let me pray for a prayer a blessing on you now as we dismiss. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your presence and your power with us that is present in our praises and in our worship. And thank you for that mighty river, the rushing wind that comes through your Holy Spirit into our lives. Let us feel your presence in a new way as we anticipate the change and the transformation that is going to happen. Pray for your blessing and your favor on all of us today. In your holy name we pray, Lord. Amen. God bless you all.